Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Freeways. If you held a gun to my head, and I hope we can all agree that this wouldn't be a good idea, I might categorize today's story as slipstream. You may have heard this term bandied about. Perhaps you have even wondered what it might mean. Well, me too. Several years ago, my friend John Kessel and I edited an anthology called Feeling Very Strange, The Slipstream Anthology, which you should probably go out and buy right now. Turn me off. Don't wait. We included 14 stories by writers we thought were writing slipstream. The thing is, not everyone agreed with our definition, not even some of the writers we included in our table of contents. Certainly, lots of critics took us to task, including a few who said that the stories were great, but that our introduction sucked. I'm not going to go into everything we wrote in that introduction, but for now, let's just say that Slipstream lives on the borders of several genres. Literary fiction, fantasy, magic realism, whatever. It plays by its own rules, some of which get made up on the spot. That puts some people off, even as it turns some on, and confuses the rest. Take, for example, Dr. Ken Takumi, an ophthalmologist who has a slipstreamy kind of multiple personality. Not only do both of these personalities exist, but each has his own body. Huh? What? Yeah, I know. It's kind of crazy. up. When crazy me rests a hand on my forehead, it jolts me from sleep. It's raccoons. What? I shiver out of a very pleasant dream of licking frosting off Amisha's nose. Get! I flail at him in the darkness and thump his shoulders. Raccoons, with their masks and their tiny black hands and their fleas, rooting through our garbage. What time is it? I lift my head off the pillow to look at the clock. Great. It's 4.23. Do you know how many raccoons there are? He asks. As usual, my irritation bounces off him. They're everywhere, like furry cockroaches. I have no doubt whatsoever. The next pandemic will be huge. Raccoon flu. What, the last one wasn't bad enough for you? I press the pillow to my ears. The room is hot. The A.C. has shut itself off again. He has to tell me about all the ailments raccoons are subject to. Congestive heart failure, cancer, hepatitis, distemper, rabies, the common cold. They get more diseases than any other wild animal. Crazy me has been Googling them since I went to bed. The pathology of the intestinal raccoon roundworm Bailus acarius procyonus is particularly nasty. The eggs are sticky and pretty much invulnerable, and, if they get inside an aberrant host, 
which is anything not raccoon, like us, the larvae get confused and wander around the body, compromising the liver, eyes, brain, spinal cord, and other organs. Round worms aren't the flu, I say. I know that, says Crazy Me. But this paper from the Center for Disease Control says there are all kinds of influenza receptors in raccoon tissues. A blood survey found 25% of the raccoons in Wyoming had flu exposure. Look at the data for 2014. Raccoon flu can easily make the jump to humans. It's only a matter of time. I switch on the bedside light. We blink at each other, and then I scan the printout he thrusts at me. So, what are we supposed to do? Hoard surgical masks, he says? Drink pricier scotch? Maybe buy AstraZeneca stock. <sighs> he yawns. Anyway, I just thought you'd want to know. I'm tired now, so I'm going to bed. This is how it's been recently. Crazy Me sketches some doomsday scenario in the middle of the night and then retreats to the garage. Me? I lose another night's sleep. I head to the kitchen, stand in front of the open fridge to let the cool pour over me. As I drink grapefruit juice out of the carton, then open my laptop on the kitchen table. AstraZeneca closed at 39.45 yesterday, down from its 52-week high of 51.13. Most market analysts have it as a hold, but its metamune subsidiary makes Flumist the only nasal spray flu vaccine approved in the United States. I put in an order for 300 shares through Schwab for when the market opens. Crazy me is crazy but he has his moments of prescience. He started one of the very first blogs on Blogger, and just a year later called the dot-com bust. He discovered Sudoku in Dell Pencil Puzzles and Word Games back in 1989, long before it left for Japan and returned as the Godzilla of brain teasers. We got into Pfizer when Lipitor and Viagra were in clinical trials and bought six acres here on Ledge Lake a year before the bypass opened. But he was wrong about SARS, and the Kindle, and the Venezuelan War. And he is crazy. I've been up for almost five hours before I see my first patient, and I'm dragging as I scan the schedule of morning eye exams. The day after a crazy me surprise party can seem to stretch for years, decades. But I have a solo practice, so there's no help. It's just me and Shannon the receptionist, and my two technicians, Ronnie and Amisha, in the office. Sometimes I feel as if I'm in three places at once. Four, if you count whatever crazy me is doing while I'm at the office. Axel Jensen is in the yellow room. He's the contractor who used to date my ex-wife, but that's not anything we can chat about. Just put your chin on the rest. I'm giving him the slit lamp exam. He leans forward. So, keeping busy? Don't ask. He sets his forehead against the support pad. Had to lay off one of my best carpenters last week. I'm down to three. He puffs his lips in disgust. You? Oh, you know. People have to see. I flick the switch on the Zeiss, and a beam of intense blue light illuminates his eyes. Look up. I check for surface abrasions and tears. Left. Down. Right? I remember that Axel came in two years ago with a half-millimeter splinter of metal 
lodged in his left eye. He's fine now, except for the unmistakable flicker of fear I'm seeing in most of my patients these days. You look just great today, Axel. Cornea, iris, lens, sclera, all great. You're wearing safety goggles on the job? Ever since the accident. Great. So, is business picking up any time soon? Nah, there are raccoons busier than we are. Renovation work, and damn little of it. Everyone's scared shitless about where things are going. Pardon my French. Tell me about it, I say. Inez Ramos is waiting in the blue room. I've got upwards of 4,000 patients, and they all expect me to remember them, so I check her chart, which reminds me that she's 63 and a long-time patient. I did cataract surgery on her a year ago. Looked then like a good outcome. Basic phacal emulsification. Here's a note that says she has a diamond the size of a raisin. That's uh, coming back to me now. Her ring is a lethal weapon when she waves her hands, and it says that she's a quilter. I don't know from quilts, but if she's who I think she is, chit-chat won't be a problem. She can talk to shirt off a statue. I knock. Good morning, Inez. I glide into the room. Great to see you again. She looks up from her sewing. There you are, Dr. Takumi. She slips a needle into a patchwork of red and white fabric stretched across a wooden hoop. I've just been thinking as I've been sitting here about how you changed my life. All the things I see now, everything is so clear. The colors keep getting brighter and brighter. That's great, Inez. I twist my mouth into a smile and remember how moments like this used to lift me. Nice to hear some good news for a change. She beams at me and then leans over in the exam chair to put her sewing into a tote. Is that one of your quilts? She straightens up and holds it for me to admire. I pieced this block yesterday and got most of it quilted while I was in your waiting room. I take the hoop from her. The design looks like the view through a chintz kaleidoscope. Great. It's great. The red swatches remind me of the curtains Grandma Takumi had in the kitchen when she lived in Vermont. It's all hand-sewn. The pattern is called Storm at Sea. It's for my granddaughter, my boy's little girl. They moved down to Pensacola to get away from all the riots. Her name is Viviana. It means lively, and that fits her. That child can run rings around rabbits. I check her IOL. The lenses look fine. No posterior opacification. Her optimag pictures show her retina is healthy. You're looking just great today, Inez. You've got the vision of a woman half your age. She rubs her eyelids with her middle fingers. What about the maculate? Maculate? Uh, you mean macular degeneration? My friend Babsy Hubbard said that when you put in that new ILO thingy into my eye, it, it could make the maculate degeneration. She unbuttons the bottom button of her cardigan sweater and then rebuttons it. She had that happen to a friend of hers, so she looked it up on the Internet. I don't bother with that computer stuff anymore. Well, the interocular lens is just a piece of plastic. I rest my hand on her shoulder to reassure her. It doesn't cause anything. There have been all kinds of studies. But here, I swing the Optimap screen toward her so she can see her pictures. These are your retinas. They're all nice and pink. You can see blood vessels and the optic disc. That faint dark spot, that's your macula. 
If you had degeneration, you'd see yellow, or maybe even red blotches. There, and there. Do you see any blotches, Inez? She bites her lower lip. That's what Babsy said. I turn the screen off. You know, maybe she was misinformed. We've done something like 65 million cataract surgeries. They're safe as money in the bank. She gives me a questioning glance. I shrug. Uh, so to speak. <laughs> I open the door to the room. There's just a lot of bad information out there. And as on the Internet especially, a lot of fear. She takes the hint and gets off the exam chair. But I'm glad you asked. I usher her into the hall. We'll see you in six months. By then you should have that quilt finished. Yes? Alex Dampier is a first-time patient. He's five and, according to his mom, sits too close to the family TV, doesn't like to be outdoors, and says he can't see his friend Zach when he's coming down the street. He's dark and squirmy and wears jean shorts and a blue T-shirt with the Superman logo. I don't like it. He shies away from the foropter. He can barely read the 2050 line on the Snellen chart. He needs glasses. It has too many eyes. He lifts his feet up as if to push the instrument away. Looks like a monster. He's been seeing monsters everywhere recently, says the mom, whose name I have already forgotten. The kid slumps in the exam chair. I don't want glasses. They'll make you look cool, says the mom. Cool guys wear glasses. Daddy wears glasses. I don't want to be cool. Superman wears glasses, she says. No, Clark Kent wears glasses, he replies. Not Superman. But that's how he catches monsters, I say. Superman does. They both stare at me. The thing is, I say, monsters won't show themselves when Superman is around. They're too scared of him. But when he's Clark Kent, they don't know that he's really Superman, so they come out, and he can spot them because he is wearing glasses. So then he changes into Superman. I wink at the mom. Alex is wrapped. So what this machine does, I swing the foropter a couple of inches closer to him than stop, is give you supervision. You'll be able to see things just like Superman. Monsters? says Alex. <laughs> if there are any, sure. But as you see, I have supervision, too. I tap the temple of my glasses. I've been looking out for them, and I haven't seen any in a long time, Alex. But I'm ready, if they ever should come around here. <sighs> it's such an old and cliched story, doctors and their nurses, that I am almost ashamed that it has become mine. Amisha Murkaji came to me from Clearwater Vision Center, a four-doctor practice downtown, that closed a year ago last January. She's a certified RN in ophthalmology. We worked together for nearly 17 months before anything happened between us. She has curly black hair that hides her tiny ears. She's two inches taller than I am. She likes to be kissed at the base of her neck, just above the collarbone, and is ticklish behind the knees. She wears pastel scrub tops in different patterns, ferns and tropical fish and ladybugs. <laughs> and Betty Boop. I asked her once, and it turned out she had no idea that Betty Boop was an old-time cartoon character. We've been together now for about three weeks, and I haven't yet told her the whole truth about crazy me. She knows there is a crazy me, <laughs> but she thinks he's me.
She's under the impression that sometimes the devil gets into Dr. Ken Takumi, D.O. Or maybe a bit too much Glenlivet. Or something. She believes that he's the me I give permission to do all the stuff I otherwise wouldn't do. If only it were that simple. It would cause trouble at work if Amisha and I were to admit we were sleeping together. I'm sure that Ronnie and Shannon have figured it out, but as long as we don't announce our affair, they don't have to acknowledge it. I suppose pretending things aren't happening is kind of hypocrisy, but then there's a lot of that going around. So, even if she spends the night at my house or I stay with her, we come and go to the office in separate cars. I head home to change after the long day and park near the front door. Crazy Me has nested in the garage. I've abandoned it to him. The mail is uninspiring, bills, the journal of refractive surgery, and a Netflix. Crazy Me has ordered Bambi. He's been on a Disney binge lately. Says following the news makes him nostalgic. He wishes he was a kid again, living in a saner, safer world. <laughs> Me too. As I pass the door into the garage, I can hear the theme music to The Daily Show. Crazy Me only watches TV on his computer. I slip his DVD across the threshold. I'm supposed to pick Amisha up for dinner, but I have time for a quick power nap. I set the alarm clock for 5.45 and kick my shoes off. And we'll stop there. This has been part one of Crazy Me, which was first published on Tor.com in May of 2011. This is its first podcast incarnation. I'm still hoping that you will consider clicking over to hear some of my other audio, the 52 stories on StoryPod, and my two novels, Wildlife and Look in the Sun, all of them on Audible.com. Also, let's not forget my e-zine, James Patrick Kelly Strangeways, on Nook and Kindle. And now, there's a new Kelly product for you to ignore. I mean, buy. In good old-fashioned, dead tree form, Digital Rapture, by me and John Kessel, is just out from Tachyon Publications. So that about winds things up, but please don't forget to click back next week for the fiery... Whoops, spoiler... The fiery conclusion of Crazy Me on the Free Reads Podcast. <laughs>